Welcome to the First Century Church Podcast. My name is Stephen Wilhoy, and I'm the lead pastor at First Century Church, and it is an honor to have you with us today. The goal of the podcast is simple. We want you to be encouraged, challenged, and inspired to go further in your faith than ever before. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website, firstcenturykc.com. And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. How many of you are fans of the show American Ninja Warrior? Anybody like that show? Yeah, that's an awesome show. No? Did you say no, Tommy? Okay, we can't be friends anymore. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> it's a cool show. If you don't know what it is or haven't seen it, uh, it's basically this ch- these athletic challenge or people that are, they're freak athletes, and they, all of them except for maybe one or two or all of them struggle to get to the very end of these sets of obstacle course challenges, and it, it's feats of strength and stamina, and it, you know, tests every bit of your being if you can handle this set of challenges. I mentioned that this morning because today's message is going to be sort of like that. It's going to be a challenge. Uh, And so I'm not trying to be mean today. I'm not trying to talk down to anybody today, but today is going to be a bit of a challenge. So we're in week two of this series called Metaphors, and a metaphor is simply you compare one thing to another thing. They're not alike, but you compare something similar to them. And so the idea here is we're taking an idea from the life of Jesus or a teaching of the life of Jesus or today in this case an instance in his life where a metaphor is used. What we're going to try to do is use that metaphor to explain maybe a complex or difficult idea to wrap our heads around. And Jesus today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 9 verses 57 through 62. That's going to be where we're going to focus today. And so Today is also going to be a bit like, uh, maybe you remember these books, Choose Your Own Adventure books. You like those, Tommy? Okay, okay. So I'll explain. Good, we have someone that doesn't know what that is. That's good. So Choose Your Own Adventure book is, everyone starts out on page one, and usually you're the main character or you're following the main character. It sets up the story for two or three pages. Here's the adventure we're going on. Here's the quest we're going to go on with our friends. And then at the end of maybe chapter, chapter, uh, page three, it's going to say, like, for instance, if you want to go through the tunnel, turn to page seven. If you want to cross the bridge, turn to page 45. You choose your own adventure as you go along. And every couple pages, based on what you chose, the adventure continues based on that choice as you go and go and go until there are usually three, four, five, six op- different endings to your story based on what you chose along the way. And it's kind of fun because if you don't like where you ended up the first time, you start over and choose something different to get to the result that you like. Wouldn't life be awesome if it worked that way? Uh, It doesn't, and that's not the point. But the point is, we're going to sort of see this story in the life of Jesus today in that way as well where he's the main character of the story, he's going to meet three other characters along this journey he's on, and they all have choices to make. They're going to choose their own adventure. And he gives them this option, or they even give an option, and what will they do? And we'll see today that even though this story is a couple thousand years old, we still have the same choices to make in our lives. We still have the same option, the same choice that we can choose to make one way or the other. And it will determine how the story ends. So we're going to be reading Luke 9, starting at verse 57, and here's what it says. As they were walking along, that's Jesus and his disciples, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. 
But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, Come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, Yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So today's metaphor that we're looking at is this idea of a plow. So last week we looked at how the Holy Spirit is like wind. He leads us, and sometimes it's unpredictable, but we want to follow where the wind of the Holy Spirit takes us. And today we're going to look at how Jesus says, following him is like working a plow. That's the metaphor that he uses here. And so we see three prospective followers, three prospective disciples of Jesus, and they have this short conversation with Jesus, and then they have a choice to make. And we don't know explicitly what choice they make, but we can imply from the lack of them being anywhere else in Scripture what their choice was. And again, we have the same options in all three of these cases. So the first man that Jesus comes along to here actually volunteers his services, right? That's what's different about the first guy. Jesus is walking along, and this guy uh, says, hey, I want to follow you. So at this point in the ministry of Jesus, he's very well known. And as you read Luke 9, as we've seen, it's 62 verses. So it's a very long chapter. There's a lot going on here. So already in this chapter, uh, earlier in Luke, Jesus feeds 5,000 people with what I call a lunchable, right? Five loaves of bread and two fish feeds thousands of people. This happens somewhere in the last few days and maybe in in the same region or town uh, area as where this man lives. So maybe he was even there. A few days ago. He's like, oh, I want to follow this guy. If he comes through my town, I'm signing up, baby. And so he, he comes through, and the guy's like, I'll follow you. And then later on, even, Jesus has uh, cast out demons from a boy near where this town is. So he's heard all the things, maybe even seen some of the things, maybe been there for some of these miracles or teachings of Jesus, and he's like, sign me up. It's kind of like when, you know, the, the army recruiter comes to your school and they set up their little booth there, they're in the office or whatever. P- people enlist, they sign up, they want information, they, they want to serve and give. So this guy's kind of the same way. He, Jesus hasn't even said, hey, follow me. He just says, I want to. But the response of Jesus is very honest and pretty brutal with this man. He says, hey, you think from what you read in the newspaper about me, what you've heard about me, that this is a glamorous life to be one of Jesus' roadies? It's not. What does he say? He says, we're homeless. We're broke. We rely upon the hospitality of others to survive. That's our life. That's who we are. And then he even, you know, Jesus has enemies, and what's interesting is what happens right before Luke 9:57, where he finds the reason he's traveling through this guy's town is because they, he and his disciples had tried to travel through a, a corner of Samaria, a more direct route to where they were going. And the Samaritans hated Jesus and his disciples and really all Jews so much, they basically walked up to the front gate of town and said, you're not coming through this way. You have to go around. So Jesus says, there are people that don't like us. And even more than that, As we know, there are really powerful, important people that don't like us. 
There are high-ranking, powerful religious elites who don't like what we're doing, don't approve of who I say I am. And as we know, pretty soon after, they're going to let him know it pretty severely. So Jesus says, hey, are you ready to enlist still? Do you still want to sign that dotted line and sign your life away? And we don't know what the man does. It doesn't say, but we don't, there's not 13 disciples, are there? This man's not named, is he? If he were a key person in the ministry of Jesus, he'd probably be named. This story would be like Peter and James and John and Matthew, where it's like, hey, this was the beginning of something new for him. But it seems like what this man is looking for is comfort. So the question Jesus says is, will you follow me wherever? And it doesn't seem like he's willing to do that. And we have the same question to answer. Will we follow Jesus wherever? Or will we say, okay, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go as long as I was already headed there anyway. Like, I got my thumb out. I'm going south. If you're going south, yeah, I'll hop in for a while and get where I already wanted to go. Or maybe we say, okay, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go as long as it's where I want to go. It's kind of like the number one reason for divorce in our country is deciding where to go eat with your spouse. Okay, that's what we have here, where, honey, where do you want to go eat? I don't care. Any, we can go wherever, wherever you want to go. Okay, how about seafood? Oh, I don't really like seafood. Okay, uh, how about barbecue? Oh, we just had barbecue. Okay, where do you want to go? You said wherever. You didn't mean it. What are you talking about? So we sometimes treat Jesus that way. Well, if, if I want to go there, if I want to follow you there, then I will. But if it's not comfortable... I'm not sure about that. And this ties in with last week where we talked about the, the Holy Spirit's like the wind. If we open our sails, it may, he may take us where we didn't plan on going. He may take us to places that we don't really want to go, but it's the same idea here with the plow that Jesus says. We just got to look ahead, plow ahead, and follow him wherever he goes. So again, the question is, will we follow Jesus wherever he goes? Then we come to the second man. And Jesus really seems very harsh to this man. So we'll talk about it for just a minute. The second idea here is, will we follow Jesus whenever? So he keeps going along. He finds maybe another neighbor or an another guy in town. And he, tell, he, he calls him. He says, hey, follow me. And the man says, okay, I will, but first let me bury my father. And Jesus says, no. <laughs> what is going on? Why is he so harsh with this man? Well, what's not written in the text but is of cultural importance here are two options. I'll give you the least likely option first and the most likely option second. So it's possible that this man's father has recently died. But we don't read in the text, but as a cultural thing that we need to understand to know what Jesus is saying here is, in this ancient Jewish culture, after you bury a loved one, you would wait about a year for everything to decay except for the bones. And then after that, you take the bones and put them in a, a smaller box called an ossuary box, and that's where they remain stay. So it's possible that his father has recently died, and he's saying, well, i got to wait around for like a year, and then I'll get around to following you. I've got stuff to take care of first, and then I will commit, okay? That's possible. What's even more likely, scholars tell us, is that this man's father has not died. It's possible this man's father is not even ill. It's possible this man's father has another 10, 15 years to live. So it's possible and highly likely that what this man is doing, he is, 
He's using the law, honor your father and mother. He's using that as a righteous excuse to not follow Jesus. And with that, here's what he's probably getting after here, is he's, he's waiting for his father to die to gain the inheritance that's going to be left to him. So what's possible, and I would say probable here, based on cultural context, is he's seeking convenience. Jesus says, hey, follow me now. And he's like, uh, it's not a great time, Jesus. I'm not prepared, Jesus. I didn't pack a bag. You know, maybe if I, were, if I were mentally and if I were in the right frame of mind to follow you, I'd be all in, but I've got other things I need to handle first. Unfortunately, I believe this is the excuse most common today with Jesus. He says, will you follow me whenever? And too often, people will say, well, I will, but first, just like this man did. I'll follow you, but first let me finish my degree. I just started my degree. You know, I've, I'm reading lots of books. I don't really have time to get in the Bible that much because I've got three other books I'm reading for this semester. It's just way too much. I've got to really focus in on this. Or I just, I just started a new career, Jesus. It's really important. I can't really, you know, I can't really serve at church because that's I got to have that time to, to work on what's going on for the work week. And I can't really devote a lot of time. I get up really early to go to this new job anyway. I've got to really just stay focused on my career. Or I'll follow you, Jesus, after I have a family in the house and the picket fence. We'll all come to church together. Eh, not gonna, it's not going to happen. I'll just say it doesn't happen that way. We'll just say generally it's just not a good time. I got a lot going on. I got a lot on my mind. I don't really have the headspace to follow you right now, Jesus. I don't really think I can, you know, cram one more relationship in right now. I mean, I've seen the Bible. It's thick. There's a bunch of things I feel like I've got to do if I follow you, and I just can't, I don't think I can commit right now. I don't think I can do it. Or maybe we're like this man, you know, after I finish, you know, working with the next 30 years of my life or 20 years of my life or 50 years of my life, once I retire, have the nest egg, then I'll have time and money I can devote to following you, but I can't do it now It's just not a good time. It's not in my five-year plan, Jesus. Maybe after I finish this goal, that's number one, then I will, but I can't do it now. Too often, I believe that many people seek convenience, but Jesus is seeking commitment. And those two don't always, if ever, go together. And here's the sad truth. Here's what eventually happens when we use that excuse. When our whenever keeps being later, it eventually becomes never. Say that again. When our whenever keeps being later, it eventually becomes never. Because we've said, oh, later, 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 and then we're dead, right? Later, 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 later. Well, I know I said I would when I finished my degree, and that was two years ago, but now I'm busy with this thing. Or I know that I said I would when we had a family, but now I've got this kid has soccer practice, that kid has clarinet lessons, and this thing, and then we've got this thing we're doing. And I know I said I would, but it just becomes never. When whenever keeps being later, it becomes never. So here's the challenge. Is there anything holding you back from following Jesus, whether you're here in the room or watching or listening online? Are you waiting on anything before you truly commit to Jesus? Because maybe you're a follower, but you just kind of got your toe in, and you keep saying, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get more invested, more involved when this happens or when this stops happening or when my conditions are perfect, then I will follow Jesus or I'll get really committed. 
What's that thing holding you back? What's that thing you're waiting on? Here's what Jesus says in Luke 9.23. Same chapter, right? Just a few verses up. Jesus says this to the crowd. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross when? Daily and follow me. If you think about how life works, there's never a perfect time for just about anything, is there? You think, well, we'll get married whenever, and it's like, no, if, if there's some bad times to do that, but there may be never a perfect time. Oh, we're going to have kids and we have enough money saved up. Good luck with that. Your kids cost like a million dollars over the course of their 18 years that you have them. Good luck, right? Uh, it's not going to happen. Or a career move. Whenever I feel like, sometimes in your gut, you just know it's time. You, there's not a scenario that works out hardly anything is there a perfect where the cloud, the sky splits open and you just know it's the perfect time. It's the same thing with Jesus. There's never going to be that perfect moment. There's never going to be that optimal opportunity. Guess what? Jesus says daily. So why not make today the first day of following him? Why not make today the day where you really, really, really finally commit to following him? You can go from... I'm almost to the line of faith to crossing that line. You can go from, well, I'm sort of kind of in to I'm all in. I've got my toe in the water, I'm in. I may be a 10 church, I'm going to start serving, right? And, and a lot of us in this room, right, serve. Thank you for your serving. So I'm not saying, hey, you got to serve, serve, serve to kill yourself. No, I'm just saying, is there, some, is there something more that maybe we could be doing? If there is, why are we waiting? The question is, will we follow Jesus whenever, meaning right now, meaning today. The third man then that Jesus comes along, the, the challenge here is to follow Jesus whatever. So the third man that Jesus meets here, he again says, hey, follow me. And the guy has a similar excuse, but his is, I will, but first let me go back home and say goodbye to all my family and friends. So again, there's two, two options here culturally that I think are at play that are kind of under the surface. First, culturally, when someone would make this decision to leave, typically there would be several weeks of festivals and parties to announce that they're leaving. So it's similar to the, to the second man where he's like, hey, I will, but first we need to party for six weeks and then I'll come follow you. I need to really make this thing up big so they know that I'm leaving and they'll cry because I'm gone and maybe give me some traveling money or whatever so that, so that you know, that's just how it works culturally. But here's what I also think is at play. I think Jesus knows how fragile we are. And I think Jesus knows if this guy goes back home, he's going to get talked out of this decision. Like he's excited, he's gung-ho, he's ready now. If he goes back, his mama's going to say, oh no, it's dangerous out there. And you know, I've read things about Jesus, you shouldn't do it. And his friends are going to be like, dude, why are you leaving? This is nice, this is great. This is, you know, you, you have some comfort here. You have some certainty here. You know, th life is good. Why would you risk that? Why would you leave all that? Jesus knows how fickle we can be. Where we'll commit, but then if we th overthink it, we're like, um, maybe not. So again, what, this, what seems like this man may be looking for is certainty. He's looking for a sure thing. He's wanting to know how it's going to play out, how it's going to look, what's going to happen. And Jesus says, I can't guarantee that you're going to like what's going to happen. I can't guarantee that I even know what's going to happen every turn, every, every moment of every day. And I certainly can't guarantee you certainty in anything that we do or don't do. So if that's what you're looking for, this is not the thing for you. And we have the same challenge. Will we follow Jesus whatever that means? 
The question then, some of these examples would be, what if a relationship with Jesus costs you another relationship? What if your spouse doesn't get it and they don't support that? What if your circle of friends, they, they, they're like, Mm-mm, no, we can't. We can't associate with you any now because you're just a crazy Jesus person. That's not, that's not what we're about. Will we still follow Jesus? Whatever. What if Jesus asks you to sell a bunch of your stuff and give it to the church or give it to the poor? What if that's his challenge for you? And, he's, and you're like, mm, I'm not sure about that. Okay. Will we follow him? Whatever. Let's go big. Let's just, go, let's just knock it out of the park real quick. Are you ready? What if Jesus asked you to be a missionary in a foreign country? What if that was his plan for you? Would you follow him whatever the call was, whatever the cost was? And I think of it almost in terms of a marriage vow, right? Will you follow Jesus in richer and poorer, in sickness and in health? Will you follow him till death? Whatever that means, whatever that looks like, whatever it may cost, what if or this, what we're doing right now, becomes illegal in our lifetime? What if your faith, your overt, open Christian faith, becomes against the law? And we think that would never happen. Don't say that, okay? Don't curse everybody by saying that out loud. You can think it, just don't say it, all right? Uh, what if that were the case? Would we still follow Jesus whatever. Whatever it looks like, whatever changes come, whatever uncertainty there is, will we follow him? Whatever. So there's a, there's a book I mentioned a couple Wednesday nights ago, and it's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, and it's by Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message version of the Bible. So this book is all about discipleship. It's all about this journey of faith, and I think it's in the first chapter. He uses this quote, and it just like right to my heart when I read this. He says this, religion in our time has been captured by the tourist mindset. We'll try anything until something else comes along. So he, he says, too often we think of, of Christianity as a tourist thing. We do it for a while till it's not fun and then we are off vacation, right? We do it till it really costs us something and then we're like, I'm not going that far, I'm out. So he, he says in, this, in a longer section, he talks about this idea of instead of thinking of faith as a tourist attraction, think of it as you're a pilgrim on a journey, right? And even this last week we just celebrated was the 400th anniversary of the pilgrims on their journey uh, to the new world, right, for religious freedom. So pilgrims, they were on this journey. And when you're in a boat for two or three months, you, you know, if you bail, you're going to die anyway, so you might as well see if you can make it. And many of them did not. And once they got to this, you know, to Virginia, many of them died. It was a harsh winter, and they didn't have food, and they, didn't, they landed in a different spot than they thought they were going to land in, all kinds of things against them. But when you're a pilgrim, you're just committed to the journey. When you're a pilgrim, you're like, we're in this thing. We're not just going to bail. We're not going to quit. That's really not an option for pilgrims in this kind of sense. So it's the same idea. It's not, Christianity is not a pick-and-choose tourist attraction where I do it for a while and then I fade off. It's, it's a pilgrim's journey. It's whatever happens, whenever it happens, it doesn't matter. I'm going to still stay committed. So the call to discipleship isn't always easy. So I don't want us to cheapen this calling by pretending that it is easy or by thinking that it will get easier. Now, and I'll mention this in a second, there, there is so much, so much positive positivity to following Jesus. There are so many just gold moments in following him. There are so many benefits to it, but there is a cost. So what I, again, this challenge this morning is, 
when it comes to following Jesus or getting more committed to him or getting serious about faith, don't seek comfort, don't seek convenience, don't seek certainty. That's not what this journey is about. And we talked about this again this last week on Wednesday, this idea of Jesus being Lord. He's master. He's owner. And it's not that we have no control over this. We're just like the first guy. I'm enlisting. Yes, I'll answer the call. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. So we've made him Lord. We have put him in charge willingly, lovingly. But then it's up to us to serve and follow and obey him whenever, whatever, and wherever it takes us. So following Jesus requires commitment. It does. It's not certainty. It's not comfort. It's not convenience. It's just commitment. It, but there are such amazing benefits to this journey. We experience peace like we can experience in no other way, joy and true happiness that we can experience in no other way. Following Jesus does provide that sense of satisfaction and true ultimate fulfillment that no other relationship can offer, no other thing that we chase after can offer, no other priority that we put ahead of him can offer. It's amazing. It's life-changing. As we choose this adventure with him, it always leads us exactly where he wants us to be and exactly where we need to be. Is there a cost to following Jesus? There is. There's a cost. But it's worth the cost. And here's what I will guarantee you as we close today. I will guarantee you this. Maybe you're on the fence about getting deeper. Maybe you're on the fence about really committing. Maybe you've attended church for a long time, but you're like, I don't really know if I put him in charge of my life. Here's the thing. When you make that decision, as you even, as Jesus says, daily make that decision, I'm going to give up my way today and follow him. And then what happens the next day? I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to give up my way and follow him today, day after day. As we do that, I guarantee you, you will never regret that decision. Because as we count the cost of that, we see the benefits of that. As we live out this unpredictable, up and down, topsy-turvy life, here's the thing, we're going to live that kind of life anyway. We are. Up and down, good and bad, in between. So why not do it by following Jesus, putting your hand to the plow and looking straight ahead? I'm not going to think about what I, what I left. I'm not going to think about who, who said what or what they think about me. I'm not going to think about maybe the cost of following Jesus or the commitment. I'm not going to look around. I'm going to put my hand to the plow straight forward day after day with Jesus and we'll never regret that decision. We'll never regret taking on this challenge and we'll never regret starting this adventure with Jesus.